Good evening to all of you all. Hopefully everyone has had a good start to your week and I'm excited to be back together with you uh, here this evening as well. We have spent the last several months talking about the miracles of Jesus and we focused quite a bit on the miracle, whatever that miracle might would be, the actual action. We've talked about how different methods were used. We've talked about how people responded, both the person that perhaps the miracle was performed on, or if you were in the vicinity of the miracle as it took place. But tonight, we are actually going to talk very little about the miracle, because the miracle that we talk about tonight is almost like a throwaway line at the very end of what we're going to be looking at, okay? And I will dare to say... that it feels like it should maybe talk about it a little bit more. It almost seems like by this point, though, we've covered so many that the Bible is almost like, well, this also happened as well, when the reality is kind of something big, because this is our title tonight. The coin in the fish's mouth. Now, the, what we're going to talk about is sort of the buildup to it. It does center a bit on what Ben read just a few moments ago. But you'll see tonight that we will very briefly at the end talk about this miracle. This is only found, excuse me, only found in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 17 is where we'll be. Um, Make sure they're there because there's only four verses in Matthew chapter 17 that we're going to look at. So really no excuse for anybody to get off track here uh, tonight with where we are. We're going to be pinned in to a certain spot uh, there. But I wanted to mention first, I I wanted Ben's reading to be read first because it does tie in a little bit with uh, sort of the overarching what was happening that prompted this miracle uh, to take place. Um, You don't have to answer it out loud, but how many of you don't really know this story right offhand? Okay, this is... You know, we've talked about the miracles that we know, the ones that are real familiar to us. That night that we did that, none of you mentioned this one. Uh, To to be honest with you, I wouldn't have mentioned this one either. Uh, But this is one, all choked up here. This is one that uh, that, that we'll we'll talk about here uh, this evening. But I want to spend a few minutes tonight because we do this with, I think I'm good. Thank you though. I do want to spend a few minutes tonight talking about uh, some of the build-up to it. Because again, if we're only counting on four verses, it'll be like we was joking there at the beginning, Tom, we'll be done, and we'll be done in no time uh, if that were to be the case. But let's start, first of all, when the law of Moses was delivered to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, and the people were numbered, every male 20 years old and up. Oh, yeah, I'm probably going to need something. Not going to hit that, so she's got me. So, the people were numbered, and every male, 20 years old and upward, was required to give a half-shekel offering to the Lord. Now, there's a couple things I want us to think about right here to start with. I told you to go to Matthew chapter 17. I'll just ask you this out loud. What is the fourth book in the Old Testament? 
Numbers, there you go. Numbers is the fourth. Isn't that a weird name for a book to be called? But what does numbers, what does the word numbers mean to us? Guys, you can't give the same answer. You can't, the definition can't be the same as the word. But counting, right? But counting. And so one of the things that we learn when we're very little is the numbers. You ever seen a little kid that says, I'm this many? Maybe not five. They should probably say more than that. But, you know, they might say, because they know what these digits mean, but they haven't been able to sort of process it. But then when you get older, you start adding more to do math and all this kind of stuff in school and you subtract from your checkbook. There was a lady that came into the, to the library the other day and she was very, very much against debit cards. It was so odd. She said, because the debit card it doesn't immediately deduct it. She said, I like to be able to write a check and then I can say minus $13. Fine. <laughs> whatever you whatever you want in that case to say the check doesn't immediately deduct it. Just because you wrote it down. That's not the way that works either. But the book of Numbers is in part a census of the people coming out of Egypt. And that sets the stage for what we're going to be looking at tonight. But there's a requirement that every male 20 years or older was required to give a half shekel offering to the Lord. What does that kind of sound like for us today? This is taxes, right? This is taxes for us. And so we, uh, if we meet certain qualifications, we have to pay taxes as well. The kids don't pay taxes because they don't have jobs or whatever it might be. But we can relate to this. And so this tax sort of became the rule for the Jewish people. The money was used for the service of the tabernacle. Okay? And so when we think about that, that sounds a little bit more like an offering for church. But for us, there's no requirement of an offering in the sense that nobody comes to you and like points a gun to you and says, give it, or I'm going to take you to jail if you don't give. We are to give of a free will offering. We are to give as we've been prospered, is what the New Testament says. But you can, there's a little bit of both here. There's kind of our church offering, and there's also a sort of uh, taxing government offering. Josh? All those sons of dice still believe you have to give a team. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a girl that I knew growing up, and she said that her dad made, she and her sister, show them their, their paycheck. Because like when we were in school, we started working, and he would like, he looked at whatever it was on her paycheck, and he did the 10%. I mean, it might have been $62.14, and that's what it was. It's like, that feels like maybe not the best approach right there because it's 62.14, right? Well, if we feel like we ought to give the 15 or the 20, what should we do? But that was, but, but nonetheless, that's where we, that, that's where we're starting right here. Okay? Now, at first, and this is, a little bit of research here and the things that I was reading, it doesn't appear that this originally was an annual payment. Rather, it was sort of a, we are moving from Egypt toward the promised land. What was moving with them? What did they take with them and set up constantly? We talked about this a couple years ago. The tabernacle. Because the tabernacle was not a physical uh, brick and mortar building, but a tent. We even talked about how there were rules and how you set it up and where each uh, each tribe was to, was to camp around that. Well, if you're moving a tent every day, put it up, take it out, what's going to happen to the tent? It's going to wear out. And the stuff that you're carrying is going to wear out. And so this 
numbering that we see here, this tax, if we want to use that word, was a payment to help support this. But it doesn't appear that it was an annual payment. However, by New Testament times, there was a yearly tax for support of the temple that was indeed a custom. Okay? So it's one of those, instead of just paying for this here and there, what if I just made you pay it every year, right? What if, we, if I think you got to pay it every year, what are we sure to get? So, it was, it was a custom. So in other words, they just said, okay, we're going to make it. It wasn't the law. It wasn't anything. They just kind of made that up on their own. Absolutely. Now, that then, Josh, you kind of jumped into the third bullet point. Nevertheless, there's a disagreement about Jews about whether this was voluntary or whether this was compulsory. Voluntary means that I can give it, but I'm not required to. Compulsory means what? Got to In the United States, we have compulsory education until you're 18 years old. You can't just say, nah, I'm going to do it. You have to do that. You're required to. So your taxes are compulsory, right? You have to pay this amount of money. Nobody likes it. Your property tax bill is probably going to come out here in the next couple of weeks, right? Nobody likes to see that, but that's a requirement, right? We have to do it. Now, if the property tax was voluntary, what would most of us probably do? Probably not pay it. But there was a debate here about this temple tax. Was this tax voluntary or was it compulsory? Well, I don't know. The people didn't really know. And you might say, well, who's going to decide that? I'll throw that out to you for a minute. Who would decide whether something is required or it's voluntary? Believers. Believers. Okay, what leaders? This would be the Pharisees and scribes. The Pharisees and the scribes. The church leaders, if we want to use a modern day term, the religious leaders maybe. But, we're going to see here in just a second, that they didn't necessarily have the taxing rights that the government had. Okay? You may. Sorry. <laughs> what happens if they if they are the they say it's voluntary? It's not. What they they refuse to pay. Well, we're gonna to get to that here in just a second. All right. So going a little bit further, this picture up here, this is from the time period. It is a half shekel called a didrachma or a two drachma. Uh, it was a Jewish coin worth about the wages of two days' work. Okay. There's a translation of what that's really worth, but just. A couple of days work. So if you work 365 days, it's not a massive amount of payment. But I don't want to give any of my money up if I don't have to, right? But that's about what the cost was. It was strictly a Jewish concern. Now remember, who is in charge of the area of Israel when Jesus is walking on earth? Rome, okay? And Rome is not Jewish. Rome is not too worried about the temple tax. If y'all want to pay the temple tax, pay the temple tax. That's up to you. It should not be confused with taxes required by the Romans for the support of the Roman Empire. Now, because you lived there, you were required to pay the Roman tax. Now, had you been Jewish, which one of these would you have preferred to pay? The temple tax of your religion or the required government tax of the group that is ruling over you. Most probably would have preferred the temple tax. But what we see here is it looks like you get to pay both, right? You get to pay the government government tax and you also get to pay the temple tax. Do what? 
That's right, that's right. That's, it's, 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 you have to do both. The, there was no official government requiring the temple tax. So enforcing payment was really tough. So how do you make somebody pay the temple tax if it's only required by their religious organization? You cut them off from the, from the temple or from the synagogue. And so that was sort of the carrot that dangled over. I may not want to pay this, but this is my one area where I am with people that I know and love all the time, right? We can relate to that in a church setting, right? I wouldn't want to be kicked out of this church because these are people that I love. And so the same thing happened. You remember when, we've not even covered it yet, when Jesus heals the blind man, what did his parents say? They said, he's of age. Because they were worried what was going to happen then. That they were going to get kicked out. So they didn't want to get kicked out. But this is just goes to show you that there is a, there's kind of two competing interests going on at the same time. Now what Ben read a bit ago, he did not say, the, you remember when Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and unto God that which is God. Ben didn't read that, but it probably sounded pretty familiar what Ben read just a moment ago. And it said at the end of what Ben read there, what, was, what, what did it say? Do you remember what it said there toward the end? Yep. Custom to custom, tax to tax. Uh, pay, give honor to those that are honored. Give fear to those who you have fear. And so that, I wanted to set the stage for us because they're going to present this question to Jesus here tonight. And the miracle comes after that, but Jesus is going to address this idea of paying for things and paying these taxes there uh, with it. Any other questions about this? I, I don't know if I can tell you much more, but any other questions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other questions? I think it's, it's fascinating that these, these coins still exist. Like they, it, it, where I saw this picture, there was every time there was a new emperor uh, or leader of any kind, they would mint new coins. Uh, just kind of the old ones went out of style, and the new ones, you know, gave the honor to them. And there's these coins still exist. Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there are all kinds. Of course, we can't really relate to that. Our coins don't change. Our money doesn't really change pictures all at all, uh, very much at all. Yes, sir. If you've said this, I'll hold up. Did the, the, at this point, would tithing have been in effect? Yes, because Jesus is still alive. So we're still operating under the old law. And so there would have still been a requirement. But tithing was an old... Tithing was Roman government young. So this is above and beyond? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is a separate... And Ben has actually said this quite a bit uh, in classes, and I know, I feel like I've said this before about Ben. But he has said, we talk about tithing as like a hard 10%, but there were all sorts of other payments that had to be made, and this is one of them as well. But if you're a Gentile... This doesn't mean, just like if you don't go to church, if, if, you, if you tell your neighbor, I give $100 every Sunday, and they don't go to church, they might look at you and say, that's stupid, right? I'm not doing that. Well, they don't have to do that. They're not part of that entity. You don't have to, but you've chosen to. That's where the debate on the temple tax was. Any other questions? 
go for. Uh, this is a, a picture that I saw uh, in Latin. Uh, it's facetious, which means jokes, of German and Latin. Uh, and, and this story of the fish with the coin in its mouth was part of a was part of a thing called jokes in Latin. So I don't know if they were. I don't know if that word joke means the same as we think of it today. This is where the word facetious comes from, the Latin right here. But this sort of. But, I don't know what to make of it. This is from 14, is it 26, 86. Uh, it is in uh, Germany. But we'll talk about the fish and the coins uh, here in just a minute. All right. Um, I want to start with Exodus chapter 30, verses 11 through 16. It's up here. You can turn if you want to. But this is where uh, the temple tax uh, comes from. This is the written uh, description of, of what happens. Who do you care to read this? Exodus 30, verses 11 through 16. A couple of questions here to start with. The required payment for anyone over 20 years old was what? Half a shekel. And it said, did it matter if you were rich or poor? Everybody paid this. Again, it was considered two days wages, so it's not a massive amount of money for them. But everybody paid the same amount. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor. Now, we today have some taxes that are rich and poor. And we have some set required taxes that we have to pay as well, right? You know, you're rich or poor might depend on the amount of money that you make. If you make more money or less money, that you fall into that tax bracket. But what about your car tax? Uh, the fees are standardized. Mm. The taxes on them are prorated based upon value. Mm. So, so it, it is still a progressive tax. It is. But you've chosen to buy that car to pay for it. So that, that uh, but, but nonetheless, this was a set required payment right here. And you can see here, this is in the book of Exodus, what's happening in the book of Exodus. So it's the overarching thing that happens in Exodus. They're leaving Egypt. Okay? And so we see several things in Egypt about RTV and Exodus about setting up what the new life is going to be like for the Jewish people when they come into the promised land. Okay? And so this is an example of something. That's being established. What was money used for? Okay, to help to to to, to help uh, to keep up uh, the tabernacle. Very good. All right. Sure. Uh huh. Absolutely. That's exactly right. When you look at those. Uh, th- those payments, uh, and it'll be in the bulletin this coming Sunday, by the way. But when you look at that, one of the things that's in there is utilities, right? 
Uh, and, and because otherwise, this would be really difficult to come in here when the lights, when there's no lights or what have you. And so there's a maintenance and an upkeep that's required, and that's what you're saying as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into this. I have broken this down a little bit. So when you see here, Matthew 17, 24 to 25a, that just means the first part of verse 25. We could have read the whole thing, but I'm going to stop in between uh, with it as well. So Matthew 17, uh, 24 and 25a. Um, let's see. Tom, you want to read this first part, please? All right. Now, the first question is pretty simple. Peter was asked if Jesus had paid the, she- uh, the half shekel tax, what was his response? Yes. He said he did. Okay. Now, it's an interesting question to ask. Ben said a minute ago, perhaps there's a level of sort of entrapment that's happening right here. Why do you think they were asking him this question? Because it was a controversial issue. It was. Absolutely. And made way Uh huh. Absolutely. We're starting to see Jesus has issued, kind of said, the, the, being the Son of God, right? That's starting to work its way in. So maybe there's some thought behind the question here, like, should the Son of God be paying taxes, right? That's a really good question there. Should that? We'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But the simple answer here, when they said, "Does Jesus pay the tax?" He says, "What?" Peter, or Peter said, yes, that he did. All right, let's go a little further. The back half of 25 and the front half of 26. Uh, Lucille, do you care to read this one? You might want to just read it from the screen uh, so you don't. All right. Now, this brings us to our next question. Peter has been outside and they ask him this question, right? They said, "Who you know, does, does Jesus pay this tax? So when Peter comes into the house, before he can even speak, what does Jesus say? What do you think? He says, what do you think? That's a pretty good way of saying it right there. He says, uh, what do you think, Simon? From who do the kings of earth take customs or taxes? And then he says, from what two groups? He said, from this group or that group? Which one? Take them from the sons or take them from the strangers. Now, some of you all maybe have been to Tennessee, right? Pigeon Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg. You know what the sales tax is in Tennessee? It's 11 or 9. Is it more or less than Kentucky? You know why? Part of it. I should think we do pay income tax in Tennessee, don't we? No state income? I still don't think that's right. I think Florida and Texas are. But nonetheless, that doesn't matter. All right. The point of that is, you know who pays sales, a lot of sales tax? Vacations. So when you go to Gatlinburg, when you go to Nashville, when you go to Memphis, and you say, I'm going to buy 18 t shirts to take back to all my people. Well, guess what you're paying on those? They're charging a tax to who? The strangers or the sons right there? Because you're there. I'll never come back to Memphis again. We've got to get all these shirts, all right? That's what, that's what they're saying. That's kind of the question that Jesus is asking Peter right there. Peter answers how in verse 26? From strangers. He recognizes what this is as well. Now, strangers here does not necessarily mean foreigners. 
but they are not members of the king's family. So let's pull this back a little bit. Why would the king not charge taxes to his own children? He's paying himself in that way. It would it make sense for that to be paid, right? That would, that would not make sense. So he's going to charge it from you and you and you, but not his own children because he's taken from himself. So then Peter has answered this correctly. And so let's go even further here. And we'll, we'll finish with our reading. Matthew 17, 26b and 27. Uh, Melvina, do you care to read this? Okay, now, I want you right now to look at verse 28. I'm sorry, not verse 28, verse 1 in, in chapter 18, I'm sorry. If you look at verse 1 in chapter 18, right above it, it says, who is the greatest? And it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom? What I'm saying here is that they kind of skipped over the point here. So when I said at the beginning, this miracle is going to be sort of tossed in at the end. We've had no miracles until this, right? Jesus and Peter have been answering some questions regarding taxes and regarding money and government, etc. But Jesus then is going to send Peter out to get the money. That's the miracle, and it's like we don't even really talk about it. Let's look at the first question. How does Peter respond? How does Jesus respond to Peter's answer in verse 26? He says, we are sons, just so we don't cause any problems or passes. Let's go ahead and pray. So we're kind of crossing over from government to God here, right? We're kind of mixing the road up just a little bit. He says, we are sons. But Jesus tells Peter to go do what in verse 27? He says, lest we offend them. He didn't want to offend them. Why would Jesus not want to offend the Jewish leaders here? Not to cause a ruckus of any sort, Ben. And right now, he's still going into the synagogues and teaching and preaching. Uh-huh. Again, if he doesn't pay the tax, they won't pay You're cutting off a door uh, that you would be able to go in and speak. And also, sometimes you'll hear people make this comment, is that the hill you want to die? Anybody ever heard that before? You know, sometimes people get all worked up about things like, is this really something we need to, you know, I can disagree with you, but maybe I don't need to fuss and fight over this exact thing. And so Jesus then tells Peter, he says, uh, lest we offend them, go to sea, do what? Linda, you said this second ago, cast the hook, right? And then do what once you cast that hook? First fish that comes up, what's going to be, what are you going to get? When you open his mouth, you're going to find what? Peace of mind. It's kind of wild, right? I would have never got the money because I wouldn't have fish. But nonetheless... Uh, that, that would have been the miracle. Then we call it finish. Wow. That, that's what it would have been. But that miracle, that you're going to get this coin that's there. But it doesn't even stop there. We'll go a little further in verse 27. You'll find a piece of money and then do what? Take it, give it to them, and pay it for me and for you. Pay it for Jesus and pay it for Peter. You can see right here, he said... Uh, he didn't want the people, as we can see, the shekel Peter would find in the mouth of the fish would be enough to pay the tax for both Jesus and for Peter. Now, has this sufficiently answered the question 
that was posed to them in verse 24. Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? They've answered the question right there. So we might say we've lived to fight another day, right? They've sort of fended off this argument that was going to be presented to them. That's what Ben said at the beginning, this debate that could have emerged from it. Now, Jesus could have said no. But what likely happens then, like we said? What happens to Jesus? I don't have to pay this. Well, not only would you be cut off from the temple stuff, but also the people that are paying it will start to go down. Well, who is he not paying? I have paid. Yes, they will. You know, who is he? Let's go back to Exodus. Exodus said, in the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 30, it said that the temple tax was paid by who? Everyone. Rich and poor, and they paid the same amount, right? Well, Jesus says, I don't have to pay it, but you all do. That's what you're saying right there, right? And now you've got a gap between, you know, is he really this man of the people, uh, as it were? Questions? I think it's interesting, too, that I'm guessing it's just Peter and Jesus, so the other ten or nine was off somewhere else doing something. The other eleven were off doing something else. Right. For some reason, it's just Jesus and just Peter. Mm-hmm. Do you think this miracle was used to to enhance Peter's faith? Maybe. maybe. I, I do find it interesting. I don't have that question, and I and I, did, I did kind of think about it. But what was the purpose of the miracle? What do you think? Because the odds are they probably had a little money. We read that, that Judas had the, the carried the money with them, but they obviously had some money to give a different point A to point B. They had a little bit, and so it may not have been a matter of digging into the wallet or into the you know pocket or whatever by then. But you're not going to get a fish with the corn in its mouth in the temple, right? Jesus turned water and why I'm sure he can turn death into dollars or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that might have led to inflation. Though. <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, you're, uh, you're exactly right. But it is, it, that's a good question, Josh. And, and it's almost, I hate to say, it's almost a throwaway miracle. Isn't it? It's almost like a throwaway miracle. But don't we also cling tight to that money? Sometimes we sort of cling tight. I don't want to get this. I don't want to use this. I don't want to offer this. And Jesus is saying, money's not real, right? Like we get focused on that, and he's making coins shoot out of fish's mouth like it's a, like it's a Nintendo game or something. And they, oh, sorry. No, you're right. You got it. We say it just benefited Peter and Jesus, but here it is in the book story of Matthew. Yes. Apparently benefited the other apostles in their faith too. And plus, I'm sure there was people there with Peter and seeing this happen. And certainly the guy that was taking the money seeing this happen. I agree. And it, it, like Ben said, it, it kept Jesus still talking and all and teaching to him. But it, and like you said, it maybe enhanced Peter's faith, but it kept a to do a ruckus of fight. Sure. Sure. Judas was the money keeper. He had the money box. 
And if it is just Jesus and Peter, and they don't have that money box, they may not have it. Sure. Sure. Other thoughts. I think we get from that God always provides. It's like the, the wild man sent to Vain and Jesus. They brought him to gold and Francis and Murder that was able to sustain him while they traveled to Egypt and lived in Egypt. Right. It was enough to make sure that God always provides. We may not see the way, but God will always provide. Other thoughts. Right, and that may be, we may not have time to go all the way into that. It just looks like that he's just getting, showing that everyone thinks. Yeah. Everyone thinks that they're going to get But would the counter to that be that as the Son of God, he's going to pay for all of us so that we don't have to pay that debt, maybe? Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. This one to maybe clean it up a little bit. Well, with Matthew being a tax collector, mm-hmm. you know, this would really struck the chord with him. Right. Perhaps so. All right. So let's go with a few things uh, to leave with the lesson. <laughs> Jesus knows our very thoughts. When Peter came in, Jesus asked the question before Peter had even told him what was happening, right? Jesus already knew what Peter had said to those who had come to collect the taxes. And Peter then would use the same thing a little later on in Acts when we talk about Ananias and Sapphira, right? Because Ananias comes in and says, we've paid, or what is it? Which one was first? Ananias comes in first, right? Ananias comes in first and says, we sold this land. 
brother sold it for $100, we're going to give you $50, blah, blah, blah. And then Peter already knows that. And then when Sapphira comes in, he knows she's going to lie and tell the same thing. They're both ended up dead. But Jesus knew the very thoughts of them, and he knows the very thoughts of us here today. And going back to Peter being a pastor, Peter answers without consulting Jesus. Yes. He didn't say, Master Shua, he answers for Jesus. Right. Without even consulting Jesus. Right. And he's like, he shoots from the hip a lot Absolutely. Secondly, Jesus lived as a man, which, which meant he experienced all the requirements of man as well. And so Jesus makes it pretty clear that the son of the king didn't have to pay. But what did Jesus do? He paid anyway, right? He went ahead and paid. And so we talk about Jesus. We talk quite often. Jesus experienced the same thing we do. And we talk about things like temptation. We talk about things like hunger or whatever. But one of those things that he experienced was taxes. You know, he had to pay these same payments that we have to pay. And we don't think, we, we, I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus had to pay taxes just like I do. We always think about these other things. But that's an experience for us as well, right? And so we talk about all things coming from God and being from God. But on earth, we have to live as it is. And that takes me to my third one. We have a home in heaven. But we live where? We live here, and the Bible says by three score and ten, or a reason of strength four score, we'll be on this earth. And Jesus complied with the law of Moses. He paid the taxes, compulsory or voluntary, whichever one, he went ahead and paid it anyway. In Romans 13, we read that we're subject to authorities and should pay taxes assigned against us. Now, this is what I want to stop Boo from saying a minute ago. We can list all kinds of things that governments federal, state, local pay for that we don't like. But there's a bunch of other people that don't like some other things that they pay for that we might like. You'll never make everybody happy with all of that. And if you said, I can only pay taxes if I get to pick out what it's used for, you'll never get a single dime from anybody because everybody would be mad all the time. I think we see in Romans the anticipation uh, of this. We may not like it, but sometimes we get too focused on those sort of issues but we forget the home is where? Here or in heaven? We live here, but we're striving for something there. And so we can't overwhelm ourselves with concerns about, well, they paid for this or they paid for that. The federal government's budget is like $900 trillion. You can't even begin to imagine that amount of money. We can't relate to it. And if they cut it in half, you'd still fuss it's too much. That's that we get too worked up on. And I say that not to say that we can't like or dislike things. That's not what the point is. And we can't choose or elect people that say this or that. But we have to focus not on those earthly things, but on those heavenly things. Because the earthly things always will disappoint. No matter what gets fixed, something else will make it bad. But we can't worry about that. And what Jesus did is sort of a good example there from us. He said, Peter, go pay the tax. Go get the coin. Go pay the tax. Because Peter... And Jesus had a far greater prize than making sure that the tabernacle tent got stitched up where it needed to be. Ah, that's my thought. Any thoughts before we go on? Thank you.